Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Paid to Be Me podcast, the podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle and business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Alex Miner. Alex is the founder and chief creative officer at I Am Media, a video production and marketing agency that helps coaches, executives, and founders create unforgettable brands with video content. More than just your friendly neighborhood videographer, Mark Pending, Alex is a detective, collaborator, and advocate for his clients, helping them clearly and succinctly communicate their core values while providing targeted video assets and digital campaigns to increase awareness and sales. With a wide range of disciplines, including work as a music producer, video director, and graphic designer, Alex uses his creative superpowers to give people the freedom to choose how they're perceived online. In this episode, Alex and I discuss his love of film and telling stories, common mistakes business owners make in content marketing, and how you can take your content to the next level to grow your business even faster. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Alex, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Super excited to have you here. What has been going on with you recently? Uh, it's just, you know, the daily uh, struggle, grind of, uh, you know, juggling, trying to have a sustainable business in this COVID-19 world, plus be a non-sucky uh, parent. Of two small children, yeah, just juggling a couple of things, yeah, yeah. I can, uh, I can not, imagine definitely too. not easy. Mm-hmm. Like how much both of those things are impacted by COVID. Like I don't know how old your kids are, but you know, at this point, if they're like at home, you know, they can't really like go to camp or go to school or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, they, they technically they could. Like my mm-hmm. my daycare that we use is open. Uh, well, actually, it might not be open right now. Because, no, they are closed for the next few days because someone did get COVID-19 there. And so they oh, shut no. down for a couple of weeks for quarantining and clean, deep cleaning. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, everybody's being impacted by this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But uh, kids are four and seven. And so they have been home 24-7, 365 <laughs> since the beginning of March. Uh, and, yeah, yeah it's been a, a rough transition to that mm. life. Yeah, man. I totally, uh, I feel for you <laughs> in that, uh, in that regard. Um, well, Alex, I gave the folks a little bit of uh, an introduction to who you are and some of the work that you're up to in the intro to the show, but I'd love to hear directly from you. Like what all are you up to right now? Okay. Well, I'm a video marketing strategist and, and what that means is my company, we try to be more consultants and partners to our clients instead of just your standard videographer or video production company. So a company comes to me and they're like, they want a video and they're like, I I need a 30 second video. I need a one minute video. Well, my first response is going to be why I need to know why. Um, Because what do you expect a 30 second video to do for you? What do you expect a one minute video to do for you? Uh, what are you expecting a five minute video to do for you? The goals are so important. Intent is so important to the things that we do. 
because that's how we focus our attention and we, you know, kind of choose our weaponry and our methods is based mm-hmm. upon the intent of our clients. Whereas a regular videographer is probably just going to walk in and be like, all right, what do you want? And, they're, mm-hmm. and they'll try to shoot it. They'll try to give it to you. And there's a lot of talented guys out there who are videographers, but they're not necessarily going to be thinking strategically. They're not going to be thinking beyond the video itself. And even then, when it comes to just videographers, there's a wide, a wide, wide swath in terms of skill set, in terms of vision. And me personally, I'm a control freak. I'm trying to give you the best that I can. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's got a $5,000 budget, I'm trying to give them $20,000 results, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's just, that's, that's my personal feeling, my pride there. And yeah. I always want the end product to look way bigger than what you paid for. Yeah. Nice. I love that too. Cause what I hear in that is like full ownership of the project and full ownership of the impact, like understanding that what you're providing a business is a piece of their larger marketing strategy, sales strategy, whatever it is, but you're taking responsibility for like, Hey, I'm not just going to give you this thing. Like I'm actually going to partner with you so that, you know, when you implement it and when you use it, it's going to get you what you want. See, You just hit the keyword implementation. A lot of video people, whether that's, uh, you know, videographers, direct, whatever part of video is what you do. A lot of people don't think about the implementation. And the thing is it, it does you no good to get a great looking video and then not know what to do with it or how to, mm-hmm. to properly use it to start pushing you and your business to the next level. And so I really want to try to work with my clients as much as I can. You know, not everybody is going to let me go all the way, uh, depending on what they want. You know, we're still a service based business, so I'll, I'll make my suggestions all day. But um, whether or not you choose to take my advice is is on you. Um, and if you're really, really not going to listen to me at all, I'm probably just not going to work with you uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because because I don't want to be there at the end of a project with a bad taste in my mouth and you with yeah. a bad taste in your mouth because you're paying for expertise that you don't want to listen to and and then you're not getting a result that's even remotely in the direction of what you said you wanted, or Mm -hmm. if the results that you're expecting for the money that you're spending are totally unrealistic, uh, Mm -hmm. which is another reason why it's so important to really talk to clients and ask those questions and be an investigator uh, because you really, really, you really can't, you really can't get the outcome that somebody wants if you don't know what is the desire behind that outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's fueling that and, and what they're really expecting to happen as a result of that. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine too, in that, uh, like in your approach, it's come about over time, like just working with people, understanding what works, understanding what doesn't. Um, and what I'd be curious about is like, how did you actually get started? Like, how did you get started in video? How did you get started in marketing? Like, how'd you get started with the work that you're up to? Well, I actually started out as a more of an audio guy. Um, you know, in my teenage and college years, I was very interested in music. Uh, I was, you know, it's, it's pretty cliche, but I was a rapper. I was a music producer. I was a video engineer. I mean, not video engineer, audio engineer. Video came later. Um, so I was doing all those things, thinking I was going to be the next great whoever. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I was pretty great. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty dope when it comes to yeah. rapping and singing and all that stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, 
those plans didn't quite work out the way that I wanted. Um, but I've always had, you know, that technical background and, and that led me into different positions, uh, working for, you know, local, uh, cable network and then working in the news as an audio guy. And from the news, I leapfrogged into corporate events and corporate events is where I started doing camera work. Um, because there, all you really need to be able to do is put together the camera and kind of point it in the right direction. And, and usually you can get paid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I told, I told enough people that I knew how to do camera before I actually knew how to do camera nice. that somebody eventually believed me and gave me a shot. And so from there I had to get good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and doing that stuff was kind of boring as far as corporate camera work uh, at, for events because it's just following somebody back and forth on stage. But when I finally bought my own gear and started doing projects on the side, doing independent films, things like that, that's when, you know, it kind of took the wool off of my eyes or opened up the curtain. And it was like, what? You can do this? This, this is awesome. No wonder people want to work in Hollywood. And yeah. And uh, so, you know, all that stuff. And, and I thought I was going to be that kind of that kind of camera guy, that kind of DP where I would be working on short films and documentaries and, mm-hmm. and full length films. I'd still like to do a feature one of these days uh, if you can squeeze it in there and I'm not going to mm-hmm. go broke doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but um, somewhere along the line, the idea of video for business, uh, I, I came across it somehow. I don't remember how. Um, but it intrigued me because a lot of the work that businesses needed was kind of similar to documentary work, which is where I kind of felt myself leaning um, when it came to working on films. And so when I saw that those kind of two things sort of aligned, um, you know, the needs of businesses plus my passion for, for documentary work, um, I decided to, to dive in because it was like, okay, well, businesses actually have money because they're businesses and, and the work can actually have an impact because it's a, a business and people work for it and it's their livelihood. And so this can actually mean something. It's not just entertainment, although there's plenty of value in entertainment. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I really want my work to have an impact. And this is the way that I thought that I could actually make a living and, you know, faster and, do work that had legitimate impact. And and so I was so gung ho and all about it. And I just started learning everything that I could about not just the cinematography, but then also, you know, listening to marketers and people and just, just learning, you know, the internet's great for learning YouTube university, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and just doing as much as I can. Yeah. I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that. The cool part that I hear in that is like, you started off in one thing and over the course of just experimenting and trying things and um, just discovery, you end up now in this place where you're like, I like, I can hear it in your voice, how passionate you are about the work that you do, like what you're doing um, and the impact that you're having. And it's so interesting because a lot of my work as a coach is supporting people in understanding like how do you get paid to be yourself? Like how do you create an experience of work in a business where you feel like you're just showing up 100% authentically as yourself every day? And one of the things that I hear all the time with people is like, well, you know, I would start a business, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. Or like I would go do something else, but like I don't know what I'm passionate about. And it's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. Like it actually requires you to take action on what you do know. And then over time, you start to figure out like, oh, here's this side, you know, related thing. And here's this other thing. And, you know, it, it becomes this discovery process versus just jumping immediately into the end all be all of it. 
yeah, it's definitely been a journey and it, and it, and it has uh, taken some time to kind of figure out a direction. Cause when I first started diving into filmmaking, it was like, I don't think that I can, you know, at first it was like, okay, I don't, I don't see how people survive in this. I don't, I don't know mm. that there is a way for me to do this without moving out to Hollywood or doing all these things that you could do as like a single young person when I'm already married with two kids. Um, but, but you know, perseverance, determination, um, and, and just looking for a way. I mean, I haven't had a job since, uh, what year is it? 2011, 2011. Mm. Yeah. 2011, mm. 2011 was the last time April, 2011 was the last time that I had full-time employment. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, even though it's hard, it's tough mm-hmm. being your own boss, trying to figure out what's the next move to make, what makes sense for you, what makes sense for your family. Um, you know, it, I don't think I could go back to being an employee <laughs> yeah. without something severely, severely catastrophic happening. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it would have to be a real, it would really have to be a situation of there is absolutely no other choice and I have no other time to find a solution other than getting a job. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I <laughs> totally agree with that sentiment. Um, I'd be curious too, with the film piece, cause I can hear the energy in your voice. Like I can hear the passion that you have for it. Like, what is it about film and video that's so exciting for you? Um, crafting stories. Like I've, ever since I was little, I've liked telling stories or being involved in stories. I, I wrote my first story that I can remember in second grade. It was for like a class assignment. It was, uh, you know, the story of Super Alex. Yeah. So imaginative <laughs> as, a, as a second grader. Um, but, you know, from there it was, you know, short stories, poems. Um, I've always been an avid reader, uh, you know, so just story is been a big part of my life and helping other people to tell their stories more effectively. Um, it just, it, it just satisfies, pushes a lot of those, those buttons. Even, even when I was rapping, one of my favorite types of songs to write would be story songs. Um, just because, you know, over three verses or whatever it was, I'd be able to weave together, craft this story of a character, whether it was my character or somebody else's character or something totally made up. Uh, it, it was just beginning that process and ending that process was always very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing about story too, is like, it's the, in some ways, the ultimate connection tool. Like it's one of the best ways to see yourself in the experience of someone else and vice versa. And I can imagine too, that like being able to use that in service of a business and having people like on a very fundamentally deep emotional level connect to the purpose of a business or the mission of a business just makes it all that much easier for that business to build relationships with people and therefore grow and therefore serve and actually make an and that's one reason why I like working with like small and medium sized businesses. Um, one, because there's not so much red tape. I'm usually working directly with the owner or somebody, you know, high up the food chain in the business. So I'm not having to wait on tons and tons of decision makers to actually get things done. Um, Cause that's one of the things I hate about corporate America is just mm-hmm. all that red tape, all that, you know, Oh, well we got to worry about our image. It's like, no, you know, you let me worry about the image. Like I'm yeah. helping you to craft that and figure out the brand the you know the brand message and and all that stuff um 
And I just, I just really like to get right to it. I don't, I don't like there to be a whole bunch of fluff in front of it. And Mm -hmm. I, I really about stripping away the mystery and giving people something that they can really sink their teeth into and get behind and, and start to feel emotionally connected to, because Mm -hmm. no matter what kind of business you have, there's always somebody else out there who's doing it. And, but nobody's going to do it quite the way that you do it unless Mm -hmm. maybe you taught them how to do it. And, Mm -hmm. and so you, (laughs) and so you are going to be the great differentiator in your business. And, and so if you don't showcase yourself to the people in this day and age, like they'll just go out and find anybody. But if you, if you show them who you are and why you care and why you're doing it, then you start to build that connection, that trust, and, and you can end up being the only person they want to go to. Totally. Yeah. Building that uniqueness into your brand and being able to speak. And I've totally noticed that too. You know, it's funny. I feel like this year I've been learning a lot about branding, how to create content that resonates with people. And you know, what I've realized is like, I think a lot of people when they start businesses, and I think this is just like a very natural thing that people do, but they write from the perspective of like, well, what sounds good? Or like, you know, what, what, what do people want to hear generally, you know, et cetera. And so it turns into this like very bland uh, version of like, I would almost consider it to be like oatmeal content. It's like oatmeal content. Like it's just super bland. And like everyone else is saying this, there's not a ton that's like unique or different and authentic about it. And that's what I love in what you're saying is there's actually so much power and understanding who, who are we authentically as a business? Who am I authentically as a business owner? And how do I have that be the way in which I connect with potential customers and make a difference? Yeah, I, I really, I really truly believe that that's gotta be front and center in what you're doing. Um, cause it's, it really is that great, that great equalizer, that differentiator. Um, it's, it's you, it's you, it's always going to be you as the business mm-hmm. owner, because there's no, there's nobody else unless you've, you know, lucked out and got a super fan of your business mm-hmm. on staff. There's nobody else who's going to, who's going to love your business as much as you. There's nobody who's going to advocate as hard for your business than you. And, 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 you know, when you let somebody else be the face of your business, it's, it's just not going to be the same as far as the emotion that's fueling it and, and the passion that's going to be in the message. I mean, unless you hire a, a very, very skilled actor to stand in for you, <laughs> which I mean, there's always a possibility of that. And, and, and look, some, some business owners just are not cut out to be on camera. You know, and camera doesn't have to be the, you know, video doesn't have to be the only way that you connect with your audience. There's lots of people Mm -hmm. who are still, you know, doing stuff like blogging, writing, um, people who are killing it on Instagram with pictures and and captions. Um, It's it's really about, or people who are doing podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. It's really about the way that you can create something for your audience, for your customer base to consume consistently that will show them the truth about who you are and why you're in business and and what's different about doing business with you and 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 maybe you as the owner maybe you're not the right person to do that every day maybe you need to find somebody who can help you capture that or somebody who's fired up and can create consistently but you need to be putting something out there like content mm-hmm. marketing really is one of the best strategies in the world right now um, and as far as, cause so many people are trying to find strategies that don't cost any money. Well, content marketing is pretty much the only strategy that you can really 
put anything into that doesn't really cost any money. Totally. Uh, but but I, I do implore people to to uh, be brave and, and spend a few dollars here and there if you can, you know, depending on capabilities, because mm-hmm. there are so many people who aren't that mm-hmm. as soon as you are, it puts you in a different category. Mm, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and to your earlier point, like the opportunity that it is to, you know, showing up authentically in whatever way works best for you and whatever way feels most natural, like that's actually going to be the thing that has you stand out, you know, amongst the noise and, you know, be seen as different. Um, and I'd be curious for you, like, as you've gone about growing this business, um, you know, figuring out how you best want to serve people, like how have you brought more of yourself into your brand, how you work with people, like how you've actually built the business? Well, I mean, to be completely honest, I still feel like I'm in the baby stages of this business. Um, I've I've really been working on it the past couple of years. The last year or so is when I've really made the big push. And and I'm learning as I go. You know, a, a lot of the things that I'm passionate about, um, pushing to my clients and and strategies that I'm telling them that they should consider are ones that I'm trying to use myself. Um, I'm doing a bunch of content marketing. I mean, we met through LinkedIn. That's where I'm putting a lot of my effort at right now. Although I'm about to jump back into Facebook more. Um, I've been neglecting that a little bit, but, but, uh, you know, before the show, we were discussing how there's some opportunity there. Um, and and I really want to get a piece of that while the getting's good. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really about just believing in the thing that, that you're pushing and I'm trying to practice what I preach. And, mm. and I mean, content has gotten me clients. Content, mm. content has, content is the only way that people know who I am. Mm. You know, like mm. the content that I produced, I've got several clients right now who, who the reason that they even know that I existed is because I reached out via social media or they saw a piece that I did on social media. Um, and, and that's why we do business is because I was putting content out there and I wasn't afraid to say, Hey, you know, this is me. And, and Mm -hmm. somebody resonated with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I definitely want to come back to this content conversation because I think um, I completely agree with you. Like I've been watching your content online and I think it's stellar. So I'm excited to dive into that with you. Um, And one of the things that was coming up for me was like in this kind of situation where you have this thing that you're super passionate about and you're also turning it into a business, I think sometimes what can happen is you get a little bit burned out on it. Like it starts to feel like a job or it starts to feel like you have to do it versus this thing that you enjoy. And I'm curious if you've had that experience before and maybe like what you do or yeah, like what do you do when, when when that comes up? Um, well, one of the great things about, about making content consistently over time is that you can kind of stockpile content. And, and one thing, one strategy that I don't think people think about enough is that it's okay to recycle content. I've actually been doing that a lot recently. Um, because I I have been at home COVID-19 out since, since March, um, making tons of videos, dealing with the kids, dealing with the wife, trying to figure out how to function in this new reality uh, Mm -hmm. because I did lose a lot of business when, when COVID-19 happened uh, because I'm still doing, or I I was still doing the corporate event stuff. And that Mm -hmm. was a good portion of my income. And and so Mm -hmm. that industry is dead right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's coming back a little bit with virtual events and stuff, but I've pretty much written it off. Like can't depend yeah. on that no more. Got to, yeah. got to make this video thing work. Um, and, and plus I enjoy it more anyway. I was kind of moving more into this direction over the last couple of years. And this was becoming like the passion and the, the fuel to the fire. So I, I this is what I want to be doing anyway. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you know, there are days where I just can't and that's mm-hmm. being human. You know, there are days where I, I don't want to film a video or I've got the video idea, but getting on camera is just hard. And on those days when it feels like I still need to put something up on LinkedIn, well, I start looking back through the archives and be like, oh, yeah, this video is from two, three months ago. Uh, nobody's going to remember that. Let's put this back yeah. out. And <laughs> and and I do that like this past mm-hmm. last week and a half, two weeks. It's mostly been content from two, three months ago that I've been putting out because mm-hmm. Another thing that's important to know when you're putting out content consistently on these platforms is how long your content actually lives. That mm-hmm. that can be an important element to your strategy. So with platforms like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter especially, your content does not live that long. Uh, on LinkedIn, for a fact, looking at the analytics, I can tell you that if you put up a post on LinkedIn, even if it's getting traffic, it's only going to get good traffic if it gets any for the first 48 hours. After that, mm-hmm. it's pretty much dead in the water. Even if it was a great yeah. post, even if it had lots of uh, engagement and everything, 48 hours in, you're done. You know, a few people might find it for the next week, even two weeks, even three weeks. I've had comments pop up on a post, but the majority of the views, the majority of the traffic you're going to get on a post is in that first 48 hours. So mm-hmm. if you come, if you circle back to that topic in two months, in three months, nobody's going to remember except your diehard followers. And, mm. and even then, a lot of them won't remember. Um, mm. So there's nothing wrong, especially if the content is still relevant, if the subject that you're talking about is still valid, with posting it again. It's still valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. it, you know, people don't throw out the, the whole CD just because they listen to it once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Being able, and I think it's the repetition of it that actually has people remember it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's why people repeat things at all ever. Um, But I love what you shared around the recycling content piece, like, Hey, some some weeks, yeah, some weeks it's just going to be difficult. And some weeks it's like, I, you know, I don't really want to do this. Um, And that's definitely been a, uh, I think an interesting learning point for me in the past, uh, man, say year, like realizing that the, the high level uh, hustle, so to speak, or like high level output day over day, over day, over day. It's just, it's not sustainable. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get burned out very quickly and you can't produce as high quality work as if you were actually taking breaks in between that and then coming back to it when you felt more excited about it. Right. And the other thing, um, you know, in there, you mentioned high quality work. The other thing that people have to realize is like, you can't define what's high quality. I mean, you have your personal opinions about what's good and what's not. But when it comes to the, mm. like the phrase that people, one phrase that I hear over and over when it comes to content marketing is high quality content. And people use this phrase over and over and over. And it's one of the most harmful phrases when it comes to people getting into content and, and starting to make content on a consistent basis because it gives people this Because that phrase high quality gives people this false sense that it has to be high production value or you got to have somebody like me with a professional camera or you've got to have, you know, the professional social media person who who 
all they do for a living is make Instagram posts and, and blog posts and, and write, you know, copy for websites. That's not what high quality content is. High quality content is content that gets engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if the, the audience decides what is high quality content, if you put content out and your audience engages with it, they like, they comment, and, and it gets a ton of activity, that's quality content. I don't care if it was shot on an iPhone, on an old Polaroid camera. I don't, I don't care if it was a, a snippet that you recorded on the notes app of your, of your iPhone or whatever, you know, with a, with a $10 live that you got off of Amazon, if people resonate with it and they like it and they engage with it, that's high quality content. It's not about the production value. It's about mm. the value of the content itself. Uh, mm. Meaning what people get out of it, what, you know, the meaning that they pull from it and how they feel about it. You can't say, with 100% certainty, what is high quality content? You can guess and you can experiment and you can put the stuff out, but your audience is going to tell you if it's high quality or not. Yeah. I, the thing I hear in that too is it's a focus on what matters. It's like the metrics that matter, not the, van, you know, the vanity metrics, so to speak, or like the vanity pieces of content, like, oh, I look good or this video looks good, or I think it sounds good. It's, does it actually make an impact? Like, are people actually engaging with it and resonating with it? Because that's the only thing that actually matters. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and to that, to go deeper into that conversation, vanity metrics do matter up to a point because, because they're, they're a barometer. You know what I'm saying? They're not the end all be all because it's, it's not just about likes. It's not just about views. Like to me, engagement is king. Um, like are people actually engaging with it? It's not, did they just view it? Did they actually take the time to click like, or did they, you know, hold the mouse over and click love instead of like, or that was thoughtful or whatever the, the little symbol is other than just the thumbs up. Cause it takes nothing to do that thumbs up. If, if they, click on one of those other things, that's a little bit more high quality engagement than just the like. Uh, did they take the time to comment? That takes more effort than just the like. So if, if people are doing those things, that's our real indicators of high quality content to me because you got people to do something. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, that, that's really what it's all about. If your content doesn't motivate people to do anything, whether that's leave a comment or to do business with you, then then didn't really matter. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious too, like what are the other big things that you see people typically getting caught up in when it comes to content or like where, what are some uh, roadblocks or blind spots that people have when it comes to posting content? Um, A lot of people think they don't have anything to say. That's the big one. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. And, and the thing is, especially if you have something that you're, you know, as part of your business where you've developed expertise that you have plenty to talk about. Um, because one of the most valuable things that you can do is teach people how to do your job. Um, and, and I tell people that straight up, like, don't be afraid to tell the audience how to not need you. Hmm. Uh, because the thing is, the majority of the audience is never going to hire you. Yeah. And, and you've got to be cool with that. Like the majority of the people who watch your content are never going to hire you, never going to, you know, reach out to you, uh, ask for a quote, whatever. The majority of them are not going to do that. About, I don't know, under 10%, probably 5% or less are going to take the advice that you put out there and start implementing it and be like, oh my God, this changed my life. And then there's going to be another small percentage that 
see oh and those people are also when your advice is life-changing they're going to talk to people about you and be like yo you need to watch this content and blah 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 and and so they're going to get you fans that way but then there's going to be another small slice of people who are going to see what you have to say see that you're an expert and know that you're the guy they need to call or the girl you know or you know whatever gender you say you are uh you know, you're the person that they need to call to solve their problem and because they don't want to do it themselves, but they know they need what you have. And you've got to be cool with that. You got to be cool with the fact that most people who see what you do are never going to interact and never going to ask to or never going to want to give you their money. I mean, that's just the numbers game, you know. So you're you're really doing it for that small, small slice of the audience that is going to take action and is going to, to want to do business with you. Yeah. I always thought it was so funny, you know, this whole idea of like, don't give away the, oh, what's the, I'm totally going to butcher this phrase. Don't, it's like, don't give away everything or like don't, or don't give away whatever it is. And I'm like, the reason people hire me, like I can tell people all day long what I do as a coach and like, Hey, if you want to get out of your own way, if you don't want to choose from fear more frequently, you know, if you want to do like whatever it is, I can tell people all day, but it's like the reason people hire me is because they have trouble doing it themselves mm-hmm. and they want to do it faster than they could just by themselves. And oh, yeah. it's like, if someone is going to just benefit and have all of their needs met by the content that I put out, they're not the right person to work with me. Right. <laughs> and so it's like actually trusting that by you just focusing solely on how do I serve people at the highest possible level in every instance, in every conversation, in every piece of content that I put out, that the people who need additional support and want additional support and are going to be qualified as clients are actually going to reach out to me and start a conversation around working with me. Exactly, man. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Um, and, And I think a lot of people don't have the patience to, to take that mindset. Um, but that's really what it is. Like, I, I mean, marketing in general, like if, if you talk to marketers of any stripe, they'll tell you that they, they don't expect everybody who sees their messaging to respond to it. it it's insanity to think that that's what's going to happen. It's mm. never, it's never about that. It's about mm. casting a wide enough net that the people who really want what you got are, are going to see it and start to desire it and take that action. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like if, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody would go into marketing if it was so easy that all you had to do was flash a message and everybody jumped on it. Like, why wouldn't you? But it's not, it's any type of marketing, whether that's, you know, writing, uh, you know, you know, people who are into branding, photography, graphics, whatever, whatever stripe of of branding and marketing you are, it's, 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 it's not that easy. And it's, mm. and it's, it's a numbers game. Like you're going to show everything to way more people than are actually going to jump in. Totally. Totally. Um, when you think about content for yourself and your business, like what's the, if you could speak to like the high, I guess the high level strategy that you use or like, where is the, the content that you're putting out? Where's it typically coming from? Um, well, the, the high level strategy is that there is none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the high level strategy is try shit yeah <laughs> try shit and see what works um you know like people see throw stuff at the wall see what sticks uh mm. people are afraid to experiment they want guarantees they want to know that if they do x they're going to get y and and i'm just like no there's math involved, but it's not just math. It's not just yeah. a formula that you plug in and you get 
you know, an intended result, everybody's going to be a little bit different. You can find certain strategies that tend to work, um, you know, repeatedly. Uh, you can find trends. You can find tactics that work for a wide variety of people. But there's always going to be somebody who that tactic that's worked for 99% of people is not going to work for. Um, that's going to be the exactly wrong thing to do because of who they're serving and who their audience is. So mm-hmm. you've got to be willing to, you know, throw some stuff out there, see what works. Um, I, I tell everybody, uh, especially with video, video is a long-term strategy. If you're expecting video to be a cash machine for you, you're mm-hmm. I probably don't want to work with you because your expectations walking in are completely unrealistic. We're going to have to try some stuff, see if it works. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, then we're going to have to adjust and try some other stuff. And, and, you know, depending on what it is you're asking from me, uh, hopefully we've got the time and space to do that. Um, Maybe we don't and that's okay. It just really depends on your needs. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to do my best for you because I want you to get a positive result. Like I like to mm-hmm. be able to be passionate about my clients' businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I want to, and that's part of learning their story. The process of learning of their, sto- of learning their story so that I can help them build their brand or, or marketing materials or whatever it is, whatever video tools they need. Um, I become a fan. I become a super fan. I become a cheerleader of them because it's hard for me to put that energy and put that, yeah. that, uh, you know, that into the work if I'm not and in, in the process of talking to them and becoming an investigator, be part of their team. Like I end up being super excited about the work that they're doing and the things that they do. Um, I, I don't believe that there's a way for me to, to craft the right messages and, and really, make something that's going to help bring the right people to them. If I, if I don't get juiced about their business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. Um, what I hear in that too, the, in the first part that you shared, it sounds like a big piece of it is just experimentation and being willing to experiment, being oh, yeah. willing to try different things and be like, Hey, what works, what doesn't. Um, and I think the, the follow-up piece to that too, is also paying attention to how does this actually land? It's like, it's part of it is trying things, but then the other part of it is actually paying attention to like, is this making a difference? Is this, is this moving my business forward? Is this creating more engagement? Is this having the results that I, you know, that I want it to? And, um, you know, that's something that I definitely in the beginning didn't pay much attention to. It's just like, Hey, I got to post cause that's what you do, you know, as a, as a business owner and as a business, you post things, but it's now looking at like, well, what difference is this making? Like what's working? What's not working? What's resonating with people? Like actually paying attention to the impact of it. Yeah. And, and depending on your platform, that can be kind of hard to judge. Um, you know, most of these platforms have some form of metrics that you can get Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, LinkedIn even is, is gotten a little bit better about the, the analytics, um, at least on the video side. Uh, so, so looking at the numbers is important. That's why when you hear people say uh, vanity metrics don't matter, I kind of roll my eyes because it's like, well, that's data. And data mm-hmm. does matter because mm-hmm. data over time allows you to make intelligent decisions. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't want people to always be beholden to the data because if you only move by the numbers, you're going to become afraid to experiment and do and try different things. And, uh, and also, I also think sometimes people get scared of that word experiment. 
be, because I don't know, maybe they've got the connotation of it. You know, they hear that and they picture a mad scientist in their lab laughing evilly over Igor or something. But experiment can just mean do something different from your normal, like put out a different type of post. Instead of doing a text post, do a, do a picture and see what kind of views you get. Or instead of doing a, a picture with a, with a long caption, do a video. Uh, do a video and then have a short caption. Do a video and have a long caption. You know, just trying different things. Uh, you know, uh, taking a piece of content that worked well for you on LinkedIn and then posting it on Facebook and seeing if what the engagement is like there. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, looking at the numbers and traffic and stuff to figure out what platform do you get the most traffic and engagement on. And then when you think you're starting to get uh, referrals or leads or, or what have you from those sources, uh, you know, asking people, Hey, where did you come from? Where, what, you know, what was it that got your attention? Was it LinkedIn? Was it Facebook? Was it Instagram? Um, mm -hmm. you know, asking these questions and keeping track of these things, it's all going to let you make better decisions down the road. So experimentation can be something as simple as not putting a, not putting a caption at all. You know, mm -hmm. and, and just putting up a picture with nothing and other than the picture or, you know, just changing stuff up and then taking note and not just changing stuff randomly, changing stuff with intent and, right. and, and then paying attention to what seems to be di a diff the differing results when you do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's, not, it's not always going to be perfect. It may take you a while of doing things to really understand what's happening with your data. But, you know, get as much data as you can because if you, I think you're going to, over time, make stronger decisions and have an easier time making decisions if you've got a framework to work with based upon some kind of numbers. Totally. Well, and I think especially with paid marketing, like where you're actually investing money, paying attention to the metrics, paying attention to see like what works or what doesn't. Um, and I know one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording was what you see now as sort of the opportunity for small businesses when it comes to Facebook. And yeah, we'll just be curious if you could share a little bit about what you see there. Okay. So right now, um, and I don't know when this episode is going live, but there's a lot of talk in the news about huge brands, Pepsi, Coke, Starbucks, uh, these mega brands that are pulling out of Facebook advertising and everybody's saying that Mark Zuckerberg is about to crap his pants. Uh, that guy's rich. He's going to be fine. Uh, but it does affect Facebook's bottom line that these mega advertisers are pulling out. But the other thing that people don't realize, even though these big advertisers are pulling out of platforms like Facebook and stuff. Yes, they're spending more money than you and me, but overall in terms of the marketing money they spend, Facebook is not probably their biggest marketing spends year over year. Uh, you know, in, in terms of their overall budget and their overall spending activities, they're probably spending a way bigger chunk of their money somewhere else. Yes, it hurts Facebook. Yes, it seems like a big deal for them to be pulling out of Facebook. But if they were really dumping the amount of money into Facebook, into Instagram and all these places that they dump into other platforms, Facebook ads will be way more expensive. Okay. Mm. So that's one thing that people need to realize because you can, you can get some burn out of three, five, ten, twenty dollars a day on Facebook if you've got the right ad. Um, because sometimes it's just putting that awareness out there and being more visible that's going to make the difference in people seeing your business and deciding to work with you um, and you being top of mind. Uh, I've got 
a doctor that I work with right now, we've been running a Facebook ad for him for the last six months and um, doing that. And, and that ad is a video that we made him about his business. Uh, you know, it's a three minute video that really just explains the nuts and bolts of his business and who he is. It's more than doubled his business in the last six mm-hmm. months. Um, wow. When we started running that, he had about 100 patients at his practice. Now he's got, he told me he just crossed 250. Um, and when we first met, he told me that his goal was 300 patients for the practice. And I thought it was going to take me over a year to, to get him there. Uh, but we're already well on our way to getting him to that 300 patient mark. And so mm-hmm. now he's like, well, you know, I, I, I'll max out at 600 patients. So, you know, he's starting to, set it, he's starting to aim higher. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's great. And that's Mm -hmm. one ad that we've been running. So Mm -hmm. in my personal ad theory is that I don't want to just run one ad. I want to run more like four or five if I can, but he just didn't have the budget for that. But this one ad, we made it work for him. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, it's doing its thing. Yeah. Like actually, well, what I hear in that is understanding the opportunity that it is and being willing to like go on experiment try things out and understand that if it's if it's dialed in and especially if you partner with someone who knows what they're doing um if you dial something in like one specific campaign can actually make a huge impact you know on your bottom line and in the amount of business that you see coming in the door oh it definitely can and and just to elaborate a little bit i know i got i i kind of went on a little bit of a tangent the reason i'm saying there's an opportunity with the facebook thing with these big advertisers pulling out it is it is likely not 100% guaranteed but it's likely that you may see some cost for facebook ads drop because now there's going to be less competition because the pricing of all these platforms always develops based upon the demand so with um like Facebook ads now and Google ads. Now, well, Facebook ads now are way more expensive than they were fast five years ago because there's mm-hmm. way more people invested in them. Mm-hmm. Right. Google ads 10 years ago were super duper cheap. Like Gary, Gary V says when he first started doing Google ads, cause he jumped on them when they were, were first coming out, he was getting like, three cent clicks on Google. That ain't happening no more. Mm-hmm. Now it's like five, <laughs> ten, fifteen dollar clicks that you're talking about. Um and but that's because everybody's doing Google ads now and they're like one of the most expensive pay-per-click app p- platforms because they bring so much traffic. It's based upon the demand. So if big advertisers are starting to pull out of a platform like Facebook, that means demand is dropping. They're gonna be opening up inventory, opening up space, and that should, if things you know, respond to an open market like they should, that should mean that the pricing drops a little bit. Um, Mm. I can't say for certain that that's exactly what's going to happen, but that's the way it should operate. So you should try like with all these big advertisers pulling out, it means there's more inventory for little advertisers. So try, try $3 a day on a Facebook Mm. ad, you know, Mm. put yourself Mm. out there, get some brand exposure. You, You don't know until you try. Yeah, of being willing to like just test it out um, and being willing to adapt and experiment and see what works and see what doesn't. Um, so when you're thinking about what's next in your business, like what do you see as the next iteration? What do you see as like what's next overall for you and what you're up to? Um, really building a permanent team. That's where I want to get to uh, because it's, it's mostly me and some freelancers that I use. Um, But I really want to get to the point where I can have like 
a full-time editor, a full-time project manager. And, and cause that will take a lot of weight off of my shoulders. Um, you know, it's, I'm sure you get with your clients, you're telling them, Hey, you need to get to the point where you're working on the business, not in the business. And mm-hmm. so I'm aiming for that level where I can be working on the business and less in the business. Now there's still stuff that I want to do because I'm super passionate about it. So I still want to be out there shooting. I still want to be out there communicating with the clients directly and building those relationships because that's part of the fun for me. Um, but but some of the back end stuff and some of the administrative stuff, I would really love to be able to hand all that stuff <laughs> off because that's yeah. not what gets my juices flowing. And mm-hmm. I would, and, and not only if I'm do and if I'm doing it more efficiently, not only would I be able to justify raising prices, it would also mean that I'd be able to put money in somebody's pocket and positively impact their life. Mm, yeah, totally. Um, how are you starting to lay the groundwork for that now? Still figuring it out. Still <laughs> yeah. figuring it out day so by day. Conversation about it. Yeah, but I totally hear that because, well, what comes up for me is thinking about staying in your zone of genius, like staying in the thing and just continuing to focus on this is the thing that I do better than anyone else. And everything else that needs to happen within the business, I'm actually going to bring in a support team to help me take That's care of those I things. That's yeah, what I so I can do. free myself up to just do the thing that I really, really love doing. Yep. And I mean, I know so many other video guys who have similar philosophies to me and, and, uh, you know, are growing their businesses like me. Uh, there's a bunch of us in Florida and, and across the country that I'm kind of plugged in with. And all of them tell me the same thing. He's like, bro, the day that I hired an editor. Oh my God. Like (laughs) the day that I got a project manager, dude, you have to do it. Makes such a huge difference. And also looking at, you know, in terms of growth and scalability, like it becomes very difficult um, after a certain point in time, if you're the only one that's really taking on the work to get to a place where you can scale the way that you want to. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much energy in my body. You know, I just turned 38. So, you know, I'm not getting any younder. Uh, So, so we got to figure some of these things out, man, because like Mm. I I look young and pretty, but the body is telling me Mm. something different. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Nice, man. Well, cool. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, Alex. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing um, a lot of really cool stuff about content. Actually, I think people are really going to appreciate um, and find a lot of value in what you shared. Um, a so, couple man. questions. Yes, to wrap up. Um, one is, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at I am Media. That's E-Y-E-A-M-M-E-D-I-A on social media. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and Facebook and Instagram will hopefully start being more active uh, in the near future. But uh, you can also just look for me at Alex Miner, uh, the Alex Miner on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook and uh, on LinkedIn. Just search the name Alex Miner on YouTube. Just search the name Alex Miner. Uh, oh, I'm, we didn't even get into YouTube, man. I'm super passionate about YouTube, but that could be a whole nother show. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for me, Alex Miner, I, I post a lot on the internet. So usually I'm the first one that comes up. Uh, I think there's a soccer player or something out there that might have a good mm. reputation, but usually I'm the first Alex Miner that you see. <laughs> Love it. Yes, definitely go check out Alex's content. It's, um, it's really, <laughs> that was part of the reason why I was so excited to talk to you about content just because I think you're doing a really incredible job and we will well, absolutely I have to do a part two for YouTube. Um, cause that's definitely something I'm, I'm looking at more myself. 
Um, cool. Well, uh, any words of wisdom for the folks who are listening in their journey to get paid to be themselves? Yes. Try. Try. Um, the, the best thing that I ever did was try. Because when I left having a full-time job, I wasn't 100% confident that I could do it, that I could survive on my own. But I tried. And when I tried, I fell flat on my face at first. Uh, because my timing was really bad. But eventually, I started to get the hang of it. And it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. I've made more money being independent than I think I ever could have being somebody's employee. Uh, mm. Nobody is going to value you like you will. And, yeah. and if you have that ambition, if you have that fire inside that drive, where you think you might be able to do it on your own, you owe it to yourself to try. I just want to take that clip and put that as the introduction to like every show moving <laughs> forward because it's brilliant. No, and I think it's so much of like why I create content like this and have wanted to create a show like this is because that's the message that I want to impart to people is like people don't give themselves enough credit for their Not resiliency, their intelligence, their ability to actually create the things that interest them. And so many people end up playing it safe uh, and then I think there's so much more room. There's so much more room in the world for people who are really taking risks and focused on, you know, creating things that really light them up. So thanks for being yeah. an example of that, man. Yeah. And especially if you're under 30, take that risk. Oh my yeah. God. If you're under 30, take that risk. You have no mm. excuse. I don't care. Even if you are married, like you're under 30, you got time to, you've got time to restructure and rebuild. Like just figure do it, it dude. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, dude. Uh, and then I like to end the show with acknowledgement. So Alex, are you open to me acknowledging you? Uh, sure. Cool. So uh, Alex, there's a couple of things I want to acknowledge you for. Um, first and foremost is just like, thanks for your passion and energy. Like it's actually really, it's so fun being in conversation with you because it's palpable how excited and how passionate you are about what you do and about supporting other people and the, the businesses that you serve, the clients that you have. Um, so like, thanks for bringing that interest, that passion, that energy into making a difference for people. Um, thanks for your commitment to service. Like, thanks for like going the extra mile and being so committed to the people that you're working with, that you're willing to like say the hard thing, <laughs> like willing to be like, Hey, I don't think that it's good for us to work together. Cause you're just not in that place where I can, you know, most effectively support you. Um, so like, thanks for your commitment there. Thanks for being a leader. Like, I just get that from what I know about you online and being in conversation with you. Like, thanks for just like being willing to share your voice, share your thoughts, share your opinions, support other people. And even in the piece of wisdom that you just shared, like leading people into them creating more of what they want for themselves, even though it's scary, even though it's risky. Um, thanks for your authenticity. Like, I just, I get that who you are here, who you are online, who you are in the rest of your life is just like who you are everywhere. Um, so thanks for being like a walk in talk and example of that. Um, and just thanks for like the last thing that I want to acknowledge you for is um, like, thanks for just being super connected in the sense that the thing that drives you and the thing that you're looking to create more of in the world is people coming together, creating community, getting to know each other and telling stories. Um, Cause I think that's ultimately like how any big change happens is through story. Um, so thanks for like making that your practice, man. And thanks so much for being on the show. It was an absolute, absolute pleasure. Hey man, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, we've spoken before and once again, it was a great conversation. So I, I was happy to do it, man. Thanks brother. We'll talk soon. All right.
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.